0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. Let's jump right into it. Last weekend's Divisional Games, the AFC Divisional Games, at least, were poop. NFC Divisional Games, very interesting, very intense, very close. Uh, so we'll let's just, we'll, we'll recap the AFC Games real quick, because uh, there's not much to recap if you watch the games. Colts, Chiefs. Colts, arguably... Hottest team coming into the playoffs. I don't even think that's arguable. I think it's just a straight fact. Andrew Luck was on fire. The Colts' defense was actually good. Uh, However, about an hour before tip-off, it was announced that Malik Hooker was not going to be starting for the Indianapolis Colts. They're very young and very good safety. So right, right off the bat, that really hurt the Colts defensively and and it it was it was tough because it's it's tough to stop Patrick Mahomes just in general so when you lose arguably your best defensive back uh, definitely doesn't help definitely does not help to slow down Patrick Mahomes and Mahomes does what Mahomes does he lit up the Colts defense they didn't even really seem to have a shot at all Uh, their game against the Texans the week prior Made them look like they were really going to be a force to be reckoned with. But the Chiefs very handedly defeated the Indianapolis Colts. I, I don't think Mahomes or the Chiefs even broke a sweat that entire time. And I mentioned last week how I thought it was going to be close. I did, as most people did. I thought it would be at least competitive, but it wasn't, it wasn't at all. <laughs> it, the Chiefs in Arrowhead straight dominated the Colts. And now they move on to the AFC Championship game against the Patriots, of course, who defeated the Chargers in Gillette. And it was unfortunate to watch, to say the least. I really wanted Phillip Rivers to win, man. And you could see it it was plastered all over his face and his emotions the entire game. He was screaming and yelling and kicking and very visibly angry with what was happening in that game and I think he knew or he knows Philip Rivers as much as we do that this was probably his last real shot at getting to a, a Super Bowl or even getting back to an, an AFC championship game but the the chips were to say the chips were stacked against Philip Rivers I think is an understatement. He was going against Tom Brady, the Patriots, Bill Belichick, in Foxboro, very cold weather, back to back, cross country road road trips. There was no snow, even though it was predicted uh that there'd be snow. There was any there wasn't any. So he kinda escaped that problem. But it was still freezing out and the Chargers just looked slow. They didn't really look like they knew what they were doing most of the time. Uh, aside from uh the Pats blown coverage on that that opening drive, the touchdown throw to Keenan Allen, the pa- the Patriots defense was flawless. And the Chargers defense played zone the entire time. I didn't notice it when we were play- when they were playing and I was watching. But apparently Twitter did, so thank God for Twitter, that the Chargers were running six to eight defensive backs a lot. Like, as in they're playing defensive backs at linebacker, which they were doing against the Ravens last week to try and combat against Lamar Jackson his speed. And it worked out in that case, but they were running way too many DBs and they were playing a lot of zone most of the time, and they didn't really switch it up, even when the Patriots were gashing them. And Tom Brady picked them apart. He is—I just saw a stat uh, today, actually. It was in under-32-degree weather, Tom Brady is 13-2, and two, which is wild because I remember in the beginning of the year when— because I remember in the beginning of the year— there was a stat of Tom Brady in I think it was like 80 or 85 plus degree weather. He's like two and something. Like he's not good in 85 plus degree weather. Which is so odd to think about cuz I'm pretty sure he's from California. Right? Let's let's research this. Yeah, he's from San Mateo, California. So you'd think he'd be comfortable in in warm weather, but He played football in Michigan, and he's played his entire career in New England, so, you know, adapt or die, and he's obviously adapted to the cold weather. He thrives in it, almost. If you want to say that, I don't think it'd be a stretch to say he thrives in cold weather. And he has all the abilities to to be that excellent cold-weather quarterback. He's an excellent decision-maker. He's accurate, so he doesn't have to throw the ball deep to make big plays happen. He can fit it into tight windows. I mean, he's the perfect quarterback. That's why he's the GOAT, which makes the AFC Championship matchup very, very interesting. I will get to that in a little bit right after we cover the NFC Divisional Games. The first game, Rams-Cowboys. First off, I said both of these NFC games would be blowouts. That was me being optimistic, of course, because I did not want the Cowboys or Eagles to win. They weren't blowouts, but both teams lost, as I hoped they would. So, I was half right. Anyway, first game, Cowboys, Rams. The Rams won by, I believe it was eight points. And they pretty much dominated the entire game. I I don't think that the Cowboys had any real momentum going uh in that game at all on their side. The Rams, first couple drives, couple field goals, and then a touchdown, Cowboys score, another touchdown. It's it was really the game was almost always dominated by the Rams on both sides. You figured Rams rush defense, not very good this year. Ezekiel Elliott very good so the Cowboys plan would be to just run the Rams out of the building didn't work the Rams decided to show up on the run defense this game which good game planning good execution because they pretty much shut down Ezekiel Elliott he didn't really was not effective at all so that puts the ball in Dak Prescott's hands and that's what you want you want to make Dak Prescott try and beat you because more times than not, he won't. Dak Prescott has, at coming out of college and what he's done with the Cowboys so far, way has way exceeded expectations. There's no doubt about it. From where he was drafted, where they what they expected of him, he far surpassed expectations. Ran Tony Romo out of a job. So Dak Prescott, good quarterback. I'd say above average. However, I don't think he is what the Cowboys need. Every Cowboys fan has been waiting and waiting and waiting to finally get over this hump in the playoffs. They've won. I can count how many on my hand how many playoff games they've won in the past 20 years. Everyone's waiting for this big breakthrough from the Cowboys, for them to become this this dynasty-type team again like they had in the 90s. Because now you got Amari Cooper, super young, super talented. Amari Cooper has been fantastic for the Cowboys. There is no doubt about it. He has been amazing. Zeke, of course, is one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the league. But Dak Prescott, for, for my money, is not, the answer at quarterback. He'll never lose you games, but he won't win you a lot. As in, he's not incapable of playing quarterback, but I don't think he has that extra level that the Cowboys really need at quarterback. I really don't. I. It's just, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see it. Dak Prescott isn't one of those guys where, like against the Rams, they had a chance to drive down the field, get a score, and tie the game. Didn't happen. And then, of course, the defense needed to get a stop. That didn't happen either, and the Rams were able to run out the clock. So that part isn't on him. They didn't get the the touchdown and the two points to tie it, so they had to kick it off or they had to punt it, which is fine, because there was plenty of time on the clock, but the defense was ineffective in getting the Rams off the field. That's a whole nother problem. What I was saying was if you give Dak Prescott the football hypothetically with a minute left and a couple timeouts, I personally am not thinking, Oh, here comes Dak about to drive down the field and win this game. I don't think that. I, I That doesn't cross my mind. In fact, I'm usually not worried. And I know it's funny because I'm a Giants fan and in week 17, he led a game-winning drive against the Giants and threw a ridiculous pass that was caught by Cole Beasley for a ridiculous catch and a touchdown to win. So it's a little bit... Ironic, even some people may call me stupid for saying that, but it's how I feel. Anyway, aside from the Cowboys, the Rams looked great. Their offense was effective. Their defense definitely showed up, especially against the run game, which is the most questionable part part about that defense. So a good all-around effort from the Rams. They advanced the NFC Championship game. The Cowboys get sent home once again. And on Sunday afternoon, I was going to say Sunday night, but Sunday afternoon, the Eagles went into the Dome to play the New Orleans Saints, the number one seeded New Orleans Saints. And that that game got off to a, a weird start. Drew Brees, first pass, tries to launch it down the field. And uh, I don't even know what the guy's name was. Some... The, the I don't know the defensive backs for the Eagles. So many of them have gotten hurt this past year. But he makes a great catch. Uh, I think he, he's got like a French name. I don't know. I think that was him. Anyway, picks off Drew Brees. First play, first pass of the game. So immediately, I, I was kind of like, ah, shit. Like, that is definitely not what you want to see if you're the Saints. And the Eagles got off to a 14 to nothing lead, and I really was, I was, I was thinking, you know, doomsday scenario, the Saints are about to get blown out at home. But you never doubt Drew Brees until the final whistle has blown. And of course, Drew Brees does what Drew Brees does. Him and the Saints. Led a comeback, and I'll tell you what, there was at the end of the game. Saints down, they had to drive to score. There was a couple third and longs, third and 14, third and 16. And Drew Brees made some ridiculous throws. One particularly to Michael Thomas, saved the drive. They ended up going, scoring, taking the lead. And then the Eagles, once again, were in a position to win a game. They probably had no business winning. And Nick Foles... Driving down the field once again. Oh no. Foles is about to do it again. I couldn't believe what I was watching. And then, by some miracle, a well thrown ball to Alshon Jeffrey. Nine times out of ten, Alshon Jeffrey is catching that. This one time slips through his hands. No one to blame but Alshon Jeffrey and he knew it. He knew it. You saw his emotion on the sideline after it happened. He knew like this it was all on him. There's no one else to blame and I think he accepted that. But the ball just I haven't he is Alshon Jeffrey is a terrific wide receiver and he's so sure-handed and he's made so many ridiculous catches and this one just it wasn't even like he turned his head and started running before he caught it. It just straight up went right through the wickets and right into the arms of Lattimore, who had his second pick of the game. Lattimore picks it off, Saints seal it, and that's it. So the Eagles, they got off to that 14 nothing lead, and yes, the Saints made the comeback, but the Eagles had a very good chance to win that football game, and they didn't. So thank you, Alshon Jeffrey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Because I was so sick of the Nick Foles hype. He's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. They're going to win another Super Bowl. You got one, okay? Like, stop. It's not going to happen again. Saints ended up winning by six. So, the stage is set for a one-versus-two seed in the NFC Championship game, as well as a 1 2 seed in the AFC I believe also 2 1 versus 2 seed matchups very interesting the AFC side you got Tom Brady the goat the vet against Patrick Mahomes not a not a rookie but a first year starter most likely the league MVP in Arrowhead which is important Now, I personally don't think that home field advantage plays that much of a factor against Tom Brady anymore. If we're being real here, I don't think Tom Brady's very much rattled by loud crowds anymore. He's probably very calm, actually. This, of course, is a rematch from week six all the way back in October. The Patriots handed Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs their first loss in a, I believe it was a Sunday night game very high scoring game 43 to 40 the patriots came away with the w i'm not sure if it'll be as high scoring as that game cuz that game not not hot it was a night game and it was in you know massachusetts in the middle of october it wasn't hot outside but it wasn't freezing average temperatures good for football both teams able to sling it now it's a little different Weather plays into a factor. I said Tom Brady statistically, the greatest cold winner. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. So everything I say statistically for Tom Brady, it's probably the greatest. And in sub 32 degree temperature, he's 13 and two. I'm not sure this game is going to be as high scoring. Although it was freezing in Foxborough when the Patriots played the Chargers, and Tom Brady put up what was it, 38 points. So who knows? I mean, he, the Patriots seem like they're capable of anything. And people always count them out and count them down. They are the New England Patriots. Their season literally doesn't start until the divisional round of the, of the playoffs. They're, this entire dynasty run that they've been on every year, aside from the one when Brady got injured, And they still won eleven and five that year, but they didn't make the playoffs. Shockingly. Every year, the regular season is just a a warm up. It might as well be the preseason. But people constantly count the Patriots out. Oh, Tom Brady's on his last legs. Father Times finally catching up to him. He's not the same Tom Brady. The Chargers are going to win this game. The Patriots dynasty ends today, and then they get wrecked. And the Patriots look invincible again. When are are people going to learn? You can never count the Patriots out. You're either actively rooting against Tom Brady, or you're an idiot if you ever doubt them. I'd be hard-pressed to ever bet against Tom Brady. Good storyline, though, all things considered. Good storyline. Tom Brady, the goat, the vet, against Patrick Mahomes, possible passing of passing of the torch, if Mahomes is able to take down Brady and Belichick and the Patriots. Wasn't quite able to do it back in October. To me, even though the Chiefs are in Arrowhead, still at a disadvantage. Even at a more disadvantage now than they were back in October. Just because of the cold weather, the inexperience. I know Patrick Mahomes just dismantled the Chiefs, I'm uh, the Colts. But it's a different animal. Tom Brady and the Patriots and Bill Belichick. Different animal. It's not even anywhere close to playing the Indianapolis Colts. It's not. Like, these are the guys. All roads lead through New England, not necessarily the New England area, Massachusetts, but the Patriots, especially for the past five years or so. I mean, even a decade ago, whatever have you. At least there was Peyton Manning, right, and Ben Roethlisberger and the Patriot and the the Steelers, and even the Ravens to some extent. There was always those guys, you know, the Ravens got hot, they went in and won a Super Bowl. Uh the the Steelers were always around and they they won a couple of uh, Super Bowls, but and then Peyton Manning was always the one, you know, him and Brady up against each other toe to toe. Peyton Manning was one of the guys that you knew could beat Tom Brady. Now, the Steelers didn't make the the Steelers have they haven't been the same. They they just haven't the Ravens, they're they're pretty much done. I mean, they snuck into the playoffs this year, but now it's I think they're gonna be a rebuilding team. I don't I don't think they make the playoffs next year, but I'm getting way ahead of myself. They had a rookie quarterback. So the Ravens are the Ravens, and even the past few years they haven't been a big playoff threat. And now it's it's like who is there to challenge them? They literally were the evil empire. I know the Yankees are the evil empire. So are the Patriots. The Patriots are... Everything runs through them. If you ever want to... Especially, like I said, especially the past four or five years, it was like, if you want to get to the Super Bowl, you have to go through us. They were that kind... They're that kind of force in the NFL. And it's crazy to say that at forty years old, Tom Brady is more lethal than he was at thirty. But I mean, statistically maybe not. But as far as like this this looming threat, he is a walking—I don't want to say—he is a legend. So he's like a he's a walking, playing Hall of Famer, and it is petrifying. Whereas Payne Manning, he was a like a walking, playing legend. When he was in Denver, when they won their their Super Bowl, his second Super Bowl. But he wasn't good. Payne Manning was not good. He was manageable, average, didn't turn the ball over, made accurate throws, but he didn't have an arm at all, couldn't move, his back was shot. And that Denver defense was almost, if not better, than the Legion of Boom defense for Seattle. So it's a different it's a different circumstance. Tom Brady is still you know one of the best quarterbacks in the league at 40, 40 41 years old. It's scary. And it makes you wonder when the hell it's going to end. And you just got to sit there and enjoy it. Honestly, you can't you just got to stop. I have I have friends, you know, uh, Riley, he was on the podcast. He's a Dolphins fan. I got a a couple other my friends, they're Jet fans. They don't even really hate Tom Brady anymore. Like it's it's over. There's there's no reason for it. 10 years ago, yeah, you hate Tom Brady, 30-year-old quarterback, whatever. Now, 40 years old, simply dominating still. How can you hate him? We're so far removed from hating Tom Brady. It's more of just like a He's still doing this to everybody in the league at 40 years old. Just sit back, grab some popcorn, and enjoy the ride. Because it doesn't seem like he's stopping. He said he wants to play till 45. I believe him. He doesn't get touched. It's not like he's going to get injured anytime soon. Knock on wood. Here's some wood. There you go. All right. There's, there's no reason why I see right now watching Tom Brady on a game-by-game basis that he can't play till he's 45 years old. So you got about five more years. 2024 is going to be the AFC East year. The Dolphins and the Jets. Sam Darnold will be, what, smack in the middle of his, Probably entering his prime at 25, 26 years old. The Dolphins by then, I assume, will probably have a quarterback. And Josh Allen will be the league MVP. ha <laughs> ha Me and my friends were talking about the other day how uh, we (laughs) hate Josh Allen. Josh Allen won't be a good quarterback. Yeah, but he averages like 80 yards rushing a game. So he's fun as hell to watch. Whether he can throw a ball accurately or not, he is fun to watch. That was a joke, by the way. I don't actually think Josh Allen's going to be league MVP. I I need to put that out there in case anyone actually took me seriously. Anyway, the next game, the NFC... Championship game, the Saints and the Rams, number one Saints, number two Los Angeles. That will for sure be an excellent game to watch. Both these games, listen, as long as the Chiefs don't choke, hopefully that game is as entertaining as their week six matchup was. And the Saints and Rams definitely will not disappoint. Sean Payton, Sean McVay, Two excellent offensive-minded football coaches. The defenses for both teams, good. The Saints, of course, in my opinion, I think, have the better defensive backs. And then, of course, the the Rams have a very good defensive line. Both teams very evenly matched. Uh, I think it'll be a shootout. I don't think me saying that is, you know, very... Whoa, hot take, you know? It I think everyone is expecting this game to be a shootout. And like I said, it most likely will be. I'll tell you what though, against the Eagles, the Dan- the Saints defense really impressed me. I mean, they were it's DeMario Davis is an absolute animal. He was everywhere. I felt like every time I watched a play on when the Eagles were on offense, DeMario Davis was somehow either putting pressure on the quarterback or help make the tackle. He was flying all over the field. Especially on some plays, they, uh, Nick Foles tries to dump it off to Darren Sproles out on the flat and let Darren Sproles try and do something. tomorrow Davis hunting him down like a hawk. Just flew right in there and took him out. That was probably one of the more impressive plays I saw him make. I know Darren Sproles isn't as fast as he used to be, but he's still fast. And he's still difficult to tackle. And then, of course, Lattimore. You know, one of the better defensive backs, it, probably top five defensive back in the league. Lattimore, cornerback, I should say. We're not, we're not going to count safeties in that. One, a, a top five cornerback in the league. I don't know who to, who to really pick in this game. Who, not pick, but who, am I, who am I rooting for? I don't know, because I really do like both teams. I really like the Rams. I really like the Rams, but they are young. So I think they'll have a shot. You know, their quarterback's young. Their running back's young. They got young wide receivers. They have a young head coach. They are in a position to be a force for the foreseeable future. How's that for alliteration? And the Saints, Peyton's not. Sean Payton's not old, but Drew Brees is. And I would love to see Drew Brees get a second championship and he's played you know a year where Brees has broken NFL records, moved up in the record books, just cementing his name as one of the best the best quarterbacks of all time. To see him cap it off this historic milestone. Not historic to statistically, but like I said, milestone type year for Drew Brees. To cap it off with a, a championship, I think, would be great for him. And it would be a, a great you know a great storyline. As for the Chiefs and Patriots, I mean, the Patriots are the big bag machine. If they win, I'm not surprised. If they lose, good for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs because they are fun to watch, and that means another week of getting to watch them. <laughs> Spider-Man Far From Home finally dropped their first trailer. But July 5th, Spider-Man Far From Home hitting the theaters. I am very excited. Obviously, Spider-Man is my guy. I made an entire podcast, like 30-minute long podcast about Into the Spider-Verse. And that wasn't even MCU. Obviously, this is, this is uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe the sequel to Homecoming, and it takes place, I believe, I'm assuming it takes place after Endgame, so that is why Spider-Man and everybody is back. And, uh, of course, this is a teaser trailer, not a trailer trailer, so... it It's whatever. It, there's not really a big difference. But the point being, uh, they don't reference anything from... Avengers Endgame at all in this movie, or in the in this trailer, so just get that right out of the way, nothing to do with Avengers, no spoilers for anything we can see there, or references to it at all, but I'm gonna watch it, again, we'll go frame by frame, and I'll, I'll talk about it, so it opens up with Spider-Man gliding through the sky in a new suit, it's more black, it's kinda, it looks a lot like the Miles Morales suit. More black. The hand the palms and the back of the hands are black. Uh and he also has his web gliders attached from the his elbow to his uh to his ribs, so he's able to glide around. Which is pretty cool. It's very old school. Of course, the Amazing Fantasy first edition of Spider-Man has him the edition of uh with the He's got the web gliders. So very old school Spider-Man look. And then there's him and his Aunt May at some type of function or press conference. And he's just standing there. He doesn't say anything. Kind of waves. And that's it. Comes out. Takes his mask off. And then you see uh, John Favreau's character. I oh, forget his name. He's the bodyguard uh, for Tony Stark. But now he's also the bodyguard. He works with Peter now. Uh, and he's... Walking in with a check for $500,000. And I don't know if that... Yeah, well, he brings it into his to Peter and Aunt May. I don't know if it's for him for making that appearance. And maybe that's kind of how he has money now. I have n- no idea what that is. Uh, if the check's for him. Then we see Peter going into a DMV. Or wherever you get... Uh, your passport pickup and picks up his passport because this movie, as the title suggests, Far From Home, takes place in Europe. He has a conversation with Aunt May about how he d- maybe doesn't have to bring the spider suit because Spider Man is kind of uh, a friendly neighborhood thing, haha, and he- Spider Man doesn't be- need to be around in Europe. So, right off the bat, problems. Because you know shit's going to hit the fan, and he's not going to have a suit. Or someone's going to ship him suit, his suit. Some, he's going to need his suit at some point while in Europe. And then realize he doesn't have it. Uh, this scene, he's with Ned. His, if you remember, his is uh, his friend who's the, the guy in the chair. And Ned gets shot with a tranquilizer dart and passes out. Peter turns around, and Nick Fury is sitting in the chair. So Fury shows up to Europe to uh, surprise Peter. Then it cuts to, uh, there's London Bridge on fire. Peter cuts through it, slinging his webs. He has his suit, so obviously somehow the suit gets from Queens all the way to, to London, I believe is where they are. Some fighting, there's a picture, a a very quick image of Peter in a new suit, which is very interesting. It is all black. Not the Venom suit, though. It is all black, it's some type of stealth-looking spider suit, so Peter gets, I'm assuming that's Peter in the suit, so he gets another suit. Very well could not be Peter in the suit, who knows. Uh, And then... Very interesting what kind of character they decide to go with. What t- type of villain they would decide to go with. There's two. There's two villains. And... I guess they're in multiple places. Because this looks like they're in Venice. Um, they're, I, th- I guess they're going abroad or something like that. I don't know. But... This is Hydro Man. Now, Hydro Man is an interesting character for me. Because... When I was first introduced to Hydro-Man, it was from the Spider-Man animated series. And Hydro-Man is a guy who... Now, in the animated series, obviously, Peter Parker and all the characters are are older. They're adults. They're not kids. But Hydro-Man is a guy who is obsessed with Mary Jane. And he ends up kidnapping Mary Jane and holding her hostage. And Peter ends up having to save her. So in this movie now, we're getting a look at Hydro Man. He beats the crap out of Peter and then appears in Green Dust, Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio. And he says, you don't want any part of this kid. And then he kind of just, you know, shoots his, his magic stuff at him. And he's flying around fighting Hydro Man. So that's very interesting because obviously Peter somehow... Just inserts himself into this beef between Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio and Hydro Man. Now Hydro Man, we I didn't. See, there's no look at him at all. He's just in his hydro form, so he's just a giant kind of like how Sandman can become this giant sand creature. Uh, hydro Man just becomes this giant being of water. Now Mysterio very quickly. He looks very cool. Super easy to make him look ridiculous because his costume is literally him with a purple cape. Like, in the comics and cartoon versions, it's he's just got a giant glass dome on his head, a purple cape, and or a green cape, and, like, purple spandex. So, could have easily messed him up, but Jake Gyllenhaal looks very cool, all things considered. Uh... He is a sorcerer of sorts um, and he kind of projects these beams they look kind of uh, a a gre- uh, green uh, a green kind of air looking uh, chemical almost. I don't know what they are if the sorcerer or not kind of looks green goblin-ish but I want to go back because there's also a- a- another interesting scene that concerns me a little bit. That I, I, I skipped over briefly. But other than that, we've, we've pretty much covered everything. And then I'll give my my two cents. Um, but there's a, a quick shot of Nick Fury. You can tell because he has the eye patch on. And there's a female next to him. Can't see her face, but I'm assuming it's Maria Hill because she's Fury's right hand and goes with him everywhere. Uh, they're kind of a tag team. And they're shooting at a giant sand creature. Uh, like a Sandman guy. So I am praying that this movie does not have three villains. I am pr- I am on my hands and knees praying that this movie does not have three villains. If Sandman, Hydro Man, and Mysterio are all in this movie, it's going to fucking suck. Now obviously Hydro Man and Mysterio... Are in this movie. They're fighting each other. In Europe. Around where Peter is. And all his friends are. So he obviously has to stop them. But this clip of. Sandman. With Nick Fury. And I'm assuming Maria Hill shooting at him. It's kind of randomly just thrown in there. After. Fury knocks out Ned. And then has a conversation with Peter. There is another clip. And then that clip. With Sandman in it. So it doesn't really look like it has any continuity with the rest of the film. So hopefully it's just some type of flashback or story that Fury tells. And it's kind of just a teaser to Sandman. Saying that like yeah he he exists in this Marvel Cinematic Universe. And they're not going to include him in this story At all. Because if there's three villains, every Spider-Man movie that's had multiple villains has has been garbage. Sam Raimi films. Spider-Man 1. Green Goblin. Okay. Spider-Man 2. Doc Ock. Very good. The best one. Best Spider-Man movie ever. Spider-Man 3. Sandman. Decent. Then they throw... Harry in there as the Green Goblin and then at the very end the last 10-15 minutes of the movie they put Venom in for no reason whatsoever movie was garbage The Amazing Spider-Man Andrew Garfield The Lizard pretty good movie not great but not bad Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 they have Electro who was awful and then Green Goblin which is disgust? He's like this disgusting, weird green goblin. And then, at the very end, for no reason whatsoever, is just Rhino in a giant mech suit. It-, it was a garbage movie. The Amazing Spider-Man Two was probably the worst out of all of them. So I am very, very, very much hoping that there are. There's only the two. Villains that we see right off the bat with Hydro Man and Mysterio. Obviously, they have some type of beef. So, hopefully that's explored a little bit as to why they are fighting each other in the middle of Europe. London or Venice or wherever the hell they are. And then, of course, Peter has to intervene and he gets his ass kicked by Hydro Man without his suit. And you see him get slammed into, like, a pillar, and he's like, oh, you see it on his face, like, oh shit, (laughs) like, I need my suit. And then we see a couple other clips of him in action, diving through explosions, slinging along. In his newer suit, the press conference in the beginning with Aunt May and uh, him getting the check, or, you know, a check appearing, he's in his old suit. In Europe, he's in his new suit, so... Maybe Fury shows up in his dorm room, knocks out Ned, gi- gives him a speech, gives him a new suit. Like, hey, kid, I know you're new to this and all, but you cannot travel anywhere without your suit. You're not just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And then that's kind of his promotion status to a full-time superhero or whatever. are insta- well, not full-time superhero, but, you know what I mean, like, duty never sleeps. You can't just pick and choose when to be Spider-Man. You're, you're either always Spider-Man or you're not And then he gives him a suit And says go do your thing And then he's gotta go fight Mysterio And, and Hydro-Man for whatever reason I don't know Seems like there are a lot of possibilities this, way can, this movie can go I'm very excited Really hope it doesn't disappoint Really really hope Cause the first one was very good I enjoyed Homecoming very much Alright so that'll do it for this episode of From My Point of View. Thank you for bearing with me through my nerding uh, expose once again. Uh, I'll catch you guys all next week to recap the championship games for the NFL. Have a good week, everybody.